Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 71, Heart Centered Sales 101 with Jim Padilla. So I met Jim about a month ago, and he actually came to our live event, I Heart My Life Live, to support our clients in making decisions about their next steps. Some would call him a sales specialist. I actually call him one of the kindest people I've ever met and someone who is super passionate about sales. He's all about supporting clients and everyone out there and understanding what their next steps actually are in terms of going for their dreams and making them a reality. He's someone who does not believe in sleazy sales tactics. He's all about heart. He's all about making that connection. He's all about long term. He told me something on today's episode that I had no idea about that's actually changed the game for me and us as a company. So I know that this conversation is going to blow you away. If you're someone who is not confident in sales, or even if you are confident, I think this is a really great refreshing episode that really shows you what works in sales today and how to improve your process regardless of where you're at. So let's dive in. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Jim. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Really excited to be part of it. You guys are doing some great things and uh, it's, it's awesome to witness and it's really exciting to be a part of. Love it. So you were recently the MC and the voice of God at the I Heart My Life live event. And so I know that your story is very powerful. What's led you to this place is is really amazing. And like a lot of other, all of our listeners and all of our other guests, it's, you know, it hasn't been this uh, easy road. And so I want you to take us back, take us back to what really led you to creating your own business. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm going to take it back to my childhood for a brief moment because it's relevant. And um, I, I grew up in a uh, in a, a very challenged environment as a, as a child. Um, I was born to two teenage parents in the Bronx in the 60s. They met in a Catholic school. My mom had six brothers and sisters and my dad had seven. And so they had no parenting and no upbringing. They met as teenagers had me, which obviously they shouldn't have, but we're, we're pretty glad they did. And, you know, my dad took off immediately and my mom pretty much responded to a very challenging situation with fear and rage and anger. And so I you know, pretty much got abused with anything and everything that was in sight. Uh, I got hit with a myriad of different things, including fists and, and, hit and kicked. I got hit with broomsticks, a, base, a plate broken over my head once and the Louisville slugger at one time and stuff that, you know, today would probably put her in jail. But, you know, I didn't even know any differently. I just thought that's the way it works when everybody's home. And so I spent most of my time really trying to structure my environment to seem normal. I didn't want people at school to think I was different. And I spent all of my time trying to make sure what could I do when I go home to make sure my mom doesn't feel like she needs to hurt me. Cause I thought in my mind that I was threatening her and she needed to hurt me. So then, you know, a couple of years later, by the time I was 13, I was in foster care uh, and 16, I was at the streets cause foster care is great for cute little kids, but they don't really want troubled teens. And but I was in jail at 19 and so the the reality was the first 20 plus years of my life, I spent every day trying to blend in to the environment. I had to read my la- landscape to figure out how do I make this room, this group of people not see me as a threat. So that, that was my only defense mechanism. And, you know, little did I know, fortunately, my life changed and I survived it all. But you know, I didn't know that 20 years later, I'd be making millions of dollars teaching other people how to influence the environment around them so that people wouldn't want to hurt them. People would not feel non-threatened. And in sales and business, one of the main reasons people don't buy from you is because they feel threatened. They, they have their guard up. They, they feel fearful. They don't know what you're going to do. They don't know what you're going to sell them, how you're going to push them because of all the image that sales has. And really all you want to be able to do is get people to let down their guard so that you can have a real conversation. And once you have a real conversation, people see what you have is pretty awesome. And that it can help them and they want to buy. 
And so I love that. And so thank you for for going back to your childhood. We do that often on this show because we know that obviously our childhood impacts who we are today and the path that we've taken. So you at 20, what happened? You obviously got out of jail. What was it that sort of transformed your path and sent you in a different direction? Well, all the things that I mean, I, we won't go into them here, but there were so many near death uh, instances because of the environments that I was in. And all the while, it was clear that God had his hand on me. You know, when I look back now, I didn't know that at the time. And because there was no God, no love in my home. And um, so I was always open to anything and I was trying everything. And there was a piece of me, you know, there was a few times that I, I wanted to take my life. I considered it. Um, but there was something inside of me that I just knew that wasn't my path. I knew there was still, I didn't know how I was going to get there. I just knew that there was still something more that I was supposed to do. And then really the biggest change was when I met Cindy, my, my wife, who, you know, um, and you know, when I was 25 and, um, she's the first person actually taught me what it was to be able to love somebody. Cause up until that point, I only loved me, or at least I thought I did. I was only trying to protect me. And so I learned this amazing skill set. But then once you start learning that you can use this skill set to help other people instead of just to protect yourself, man, the whole, you know, the floodgates just opened up. Life started changing. It's like, wow, I could start using what I do to help others instead of to help me get what I want. And then the crazy part is once you start recognizing that helping others is the way to make it happen, you know, then you start making more money than you ever have. Because the finances is just a byproduct of what you're actually doing for other people. And so that, that's, that's been the, the path that I've been on for the last 20 years. And it's just been consistent daily learnings and ahas all the time. Um, and did you, and like when you first met Cindy, did you guys know that you wanted to start this company together or is that something that happened later on down the line? No, that's, I was always the entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. I was too troubled to, to listen to people. I was, I was a very difficult employee. <laughs> so, um, I just recognized at a young age that I had to work for myself. And so I was always the lifelong entrepreneur, opening businesses, crashing businesses, et cetera. And Cindy was the anchor. She was the corporate job with the benefits and the salary. And so she, took care of the family while I was out trying to chase my dream. And, you know, I had a, an alarm company um, with, uh, you know, with door to door teams that we took out and we had offices in three cities and it was, it was awesome until we, you know, until that crashed because we made some mistakes. And I jumped into mortgage uh, until the crash of 2008, you know, that hit us pretty hard. Um, I was great at selling and great at getting people in. So I started at that point, started teaching people how to sell and, then, uh, it, then I started recognizing that, um, you know, people, it wasn't about sales. My, the way I sell is different than other people. I don't, you know, we don't use a lot of scripts and we don't use a lot of 10 step processes. I'm really about just engaging with people. And when you can show up as the best possible version of yourself, and then you hold, you can bring people up to that level, they can rise above the craziness. And once their head is out of the clouds, they can actually see what's going on. And then again, to make great decisions from there. So, um, I, I was part of the, the you know, that I was partially responsible for the real estate crash in, in 08 because I was putting people in loans that they had no business being in because I, and I knew it, but I made good money doing it. And I actually met somebody in uh, June of 2008 at a gas station here in Sacramento. Um, and I, I had put her mother into a loan that she had no business being in and it was going to fail. We knew it was going to fail. Um, and then I saw her mother, you know, I saw her daughter at the gas station, um, two years later and she came up to me and she said, you know, she said, you're a crook and you're a thief and you're the devil and you deserve whatever comes to you. And I didn't know what to say. Cause I knew she was right. I, I believed everything she said. Cause I knew I did what I did. And in that moment, as when everything came rushing back to me, I realized all the things I've learned in my life, all the skill sets that I've gained and that I know I have to be able to change this around and start using it for good. So from in that moment, I literally just went to work stripping away my sales process. I took out everything that didn't feel good, left in everything that did feel good and would be of service to others. And that's how I, that's where I started teaching people what I do now. And, you know, it's, it's really about brand assimilation. It's just about me getting into your world 
understanding you better than you understand you. And from there, we do great things together. And then it just morphed into this thing where people started hiring us instead of teaching them to do sales. They just hire us to do their sales. And because our team does this really well. And now our team does this for amazing influencers, you know, all over the industry. So it was, it was really an accident how this whole thing happened. People just saw it and decided it was something that they needed to benefit from. And it just put me in a position of being able to serve people really powerfully. And the income, the crazy part is all the stuff I was doing before to make money, I don't do anymore. And now we make more money than we ever have. Wow. Thank you so much for being open and honest about your story. Cause I love hearing the before and after, because oftentimes for, for all of our guests here, the before it, it, it sheds light on the after. Like there are things in your life that have led you to this place, whether good or bad. And I think for so many people, sometimes we want to um, avoid connecting the dots or we don't take the time to connect the dots, but there's so much that you learned that you liked and didn't like that has led you to this place. And it's super, super fascinating for me. So can you break it down a little bit more for us? So in terms of some of those, those beliefs that entrepreneurs have or business owners at the very start. I know that we work with so many newbies and they question their sales abilities, but they also question the ethics of sales and they don't want to be the used car salesman. They don't want to upset anyone. They don't want to talk to people about their finances. So what are some of the hangups that you see with new entrepreneurs that are stopping them from getting the results that they want? Yeah. um, Well, the first part is everybody gets into this place where we think we have to do sales. Sales isn't something you do. It's someone you are, the way I see it. It's you've been selling your whole life, right? You've been selling since you were a baby. I mean, we're, we're watching our grandson right now and he's, he's asleep on our couch. And all morning he was running around selling us on, hey, feed me, <laughs> hold my hand, change me, get my water bottles empty, right? He's been selling, it's natural. He, he doesn't even talk, right? So you don't use, you don't need words to sell. It's all about who you're being. So the, the, the first piece is understand that it's something you've already got. It's not something you need to learn. Okay, so it's inside of you already. Um, you, you know that if, you know, if you've seen a great movie and you want somebody to see it, you're going to pick up the phone, say, Wow, Emily, this was the most amazing movie. And I know it's right up your alley. I know it's the kind of movie you will like. No, pl- I, just listen to me. I know you're going to love it. Just go watch it. You'll thank me later. Right. And you can use any number of words, any combination of words, or you can just go, I can pick you up and bring you. But I know how to do that. It's, I've been doing it my whole life. Right. Same thing with a restaurant, a sports team or whatever. But something happens when we get into an environment of sales where we it, all of a sudden it's got a box and we're supposed to look inside this box and go do it a certain way because we've seen other people do it a certain way. And we think there's this huge set of rules we're supposed to follow instead of just doing what comes natural. Right now, there's great systems that you can put in place. And there's a lot of people teach. I know you guys teach really great systems. Um, but the system isn't what's going to get you the sale. It's you embracing the fact that you have what they need. And your job is to just help them see clearly that they need to solve the problem that they have. Your sale is not getting them to buy anything. Your sale is getting them committed to solving the problem that they're currently experiencing. And once they know they're committed, they're sold out to solving the problem, they'll literally ask you for the solution, right? And how would you advise people to support their potential clients in getting committed to the solution? Is it a matter of asking questions? Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, um, we have uh, actually have a document I can I'll gladly share with your people. It's called probing questions that we use. And it's a, it's a living, breathing document. We're always adding to it. But you, you need to think about here. Here's the, the simplest way to think of it. What is the intersection where your ideal client is experiencing a problem that moment that they will need you the most? Because it's usually not the moment when you're on a sales call. Like if you're, if you deal with weight loss, you don't need, uh, the, the person doesn't need you when they're on a sales call or when they see you on stage, the moment they need you is in the middle of the night when they're sneaking in the fridge and they're sneaking in food. And then not only that is the moment after when they're destroying themselves with guilt and shame and you're nowhere to be found, right? So what you have to do when you're in a conversation with somebody is walk them back to that place 
So you have to think about that and then just ask questions that will help them resurface what that experience is. Right. Because- and then start to feel the 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 urgency of the problem and that they can't do it on their own. Is right. that right? Correct. So those are the kind of, if I was selling any kind of health training or weight loss stuff, the, the, those are the, a question I would be asking is when's the last time you had to sneak to the fridge in the, at midnight and when you knew you shouldn't have, and then you immediately beat yourself up afterwards. Mm. Right. Cause then I walk them right back in. They're like, Oh my God, I just did that yesterday. Right. Right. And then from there, this is, you know, obviously we can surround it with questions and steps and things to do, but here's where I have to encourage people to just do what comes naturally. Cause what would you do for a friend in that moment? Right. You would say, how did that feel, man? Are you okay? When you're going to let, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? I'm, I'm, my heart's breaking for you. I know this is hard and I just, I don't want to see you suffer like this anymore. When are you going to be ready to stop suffering and actually do something about solving it? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, you're right. I think so often we get in our heads and we become different people than just our true selves. And we forget about that heart to heart, human to human connection, whatever you want to call it. And then we become like formulaic or like robots or in our head thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want them to think I'm too salesy. Exactly. Exactly. And um, you know, something here, here's a really good tip that I, I, I is there, this is permission. I, as an expert, quote unquote, business builder, sales guy, um, I give you all permission to be honest with everybody you speak to. So when you get on your next sales call and you're a, let's just say you're a health and fitness guru, but you're really not comfortable at sales, lead your conversation with that. Get on the phone and say, Emily, so glad to talk to you today. Really glad you made time for me. Really excited about what this next 30 minutes is going to do. Before we start, I just want to let you know, I'm really not good at sales. So please, I might show a little nerves. I might get a little weird around you. Do not let that shade your impression of how amazing I am at solving your problem. Right. And when you do that, two things happen. One, you relax because you just put the truth on the table. They lose their guard because they're no longer feeling threatened by you. And now they're actually become your ally. Because what are most people going to do in that situation? Oh, Emily, you're doing great, honey. You know, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. Now they're rooting for you to sell them, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) I love that, that shift. That's awesome. So once you, on the sales conversation, once you say that, and then you get clear on those pain points and that point in which the client actually does need you, those moments that are going to come up, what happens after that? Yeah. From there, um, you know, we can get into formulas. Like I said, I, I would definitely, you know, dive into a good process, a, a, a step process so you don't miss out. But from here, the main thing that once they're completed, they're, they're, they've, they, we call it, um, gaining consensus, right? They, everybody on that side of the aisle is fully committed. They got consensus that this is absolutely a problem needing to be solved. And then you've walked them to the committing, a commitment of moving from there. Then. You, you just want to be leading. I, I don't offer them. I don't make them the sale. I just keep asking them what, what they're going to do about it. When, what are they willing to give up to make it happen? Right. That's a big question that I stole from Larry Winget. You know, his, his three step formula is what do you want? Why do you want it? What are you willing to give up to get it? And because we all know that anything worth having, typically you're going to have to sacrifice something. So you might as well put that in front, you know, in full view now. What are you willing to give up? You can give, you know, obviously you're going to give up finances. You may give up time. You may give up uh, TV for six months because you're building something, whatever. But um, you got to decide. Maybe you're going to give up a group of friends because you're not going to be social because you're going to be all in on this process. Um, so, but you have to understand that it's not just going to be something easy, that it is anything worthwhile is on the other side of a struggle and of some sort of, of learning process, which is going to force you to grow. So you want, again, just keeping them in that space of, you know, change, optimism, possibility, and the reality of the tension that they're going to be experiencing. So. Yeah, I love that. And it's so interesting to me because I think so often in our minds, it makes sense. We have to give up something in order to get something else. But what if somebody is like a full yes, the consensus is there, but then they're curious to know, you know, well, well, how do I actually make that happen? I don't have the money sitting here. I know that a lot of women in our community, they struggle with having the money conversation. So what would you say to that? Yeah, great question. Uh, First of all, you know, you and I are in alignment on this. Um, I don't believe that. 
right? I, I don't, I don't believe that there is no money. I don't believe I don't, that you don't have time. Um, cause we all 100% of us, I've never met a single human being that doesn't make time for the things that matter most. And I had a friend, Kurt, who he was a Villanova basketball fan. And he was in a situation a couple of years ago, Villanova was going to the final four in the, in the college tournament. And it's like a once in a lifetime type opportunity. And he was going through some stuff, going through a divorce, and he was literally living on a friend's couch. And he wanted to go to this tournament. So he wanted to borrow money from me. It was like 4,000 bucks ish. And not that we couldn't do it. I just like, dude, I'm not going to support that. You, I not knock yourself out. I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm going to lend you for that. He ended up getting there. He ended up going. He ended up having a phenomenal time, got the t shirts, got everything, and Vanilla Villanova won. And he borrowed the money, right? He didn't mind looking stupid. He didn't mind embarrassing himself in front of his friends because that was an embarrassing phone call to make to me, right? And others. He didn't mind. He didn't care about the judgment he was going to get because he wanted something. And that was something, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not going to judge anybody's needs, right? Whatever is important to you is important to you. But I think most people would say that's probably not worth (laughs) risking your reputation, image, pride, whatever for. But to him, it was. So the only question is, what is it to you? And what is it to the person you're speaking to? Your job is to help them see that level of importance so that they will put their pride aside. They'll borrow, beg, steal. They'll take the TV off the wall and go down to the local Safeway and they won't leave until they sell it, you know, because it matters. And, but they're only going to do that for something that they see a high value price, high value point on. Exactly. What a great story that illustrates that perfectly. And I remember somebody saying to me, you know, if you had a gun to your head or to your child's head and you needed to find the money, you would find the money. I know that's a very extreme example, but in in the case of the work that we do in the world, I really see it as life changing. And I see that right now someone's life does depend on getting into this program, whether they're trying to build their business, transform their mindset, dissipate the fear that's holding them back, transform their familiar familiar programming, like all of that, their life, the life that they desire does depend on this decision. And I think so often we, we don't necessarily know how to get people to that place of urgency. And I think maybe that's one of those things that we all need to get better at because it's, it's, we obviously need to demonstrate belief, but how would you say that we really support people in understanding the urgency of making the decision? Yeah. You know, the first thing that you have to do, there's always, you know, the one sale that has to start before all the other sales and that's the sale to you. And sometimes you have to resell yourself every day on what's important, why this matters. You have to be so crystal clear that what you do is life-changing and you may have to sell yourself on that every morning when you wake up, even before you get on every call. So that way, and, and then think of once you sell it to you, then think of what that is to that person, right? If you know your ideal client well enough, you should know what's at stake for them. And you have to think about it, whether it's health, right? If you know the person you're serving is the person who may go into renal failure if they don't lose weight, you got to hold them accountable to that. If you know you're dealing with somebody who's going to lose their home, lose their business, lose their family because they can't, because they can't run their business effectively because they won't make the right decisions, it's your job to hold them accountable to the reality of that, of, of what's at stake. And then again, now you're not selling a product. You are teaming up with somebody to pursue a life that they really want. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And I love that idea of selling ourselves every morning. Cause I think, you know, there was a period of time where I went through 54 no's in a row. I shared this at the event. So 54 no's on the phone. And I'm sure that you would have done a much better job, but I had no idea how to sell anything. (laughs) And I had to remind myself all the time to keep going and recognize that I had something that I knew would change people's lives. But there was a point of time where it felt like, you know, I started to doubt myself and question myself as to whether I could really do this. And so that that shift and that daily or even hourly reminder that your work is needed in the world, even if someone's saying no, even if it seems like it's not working, that's such a powerful thing to do. Yeah. Um, one of the terms that I use from that, and I, and I got this from Anthony uh, Iannarino in the book, uh, Eat Their Lunch. Um, he talks about being the expert of the problem. 
And that's, you know, the same thing I'm talking about, about knowing what's at stake. You have to be able to know their problem so well, better than them, so that you can speak to it in ways that illuminate things for them that they hadn't even thought about. You know, did you know that if you don't solve this problem, here's what actually, here's what's going on in the business landscape. You might not be aware. And, you know, here's what I've seen because I've talked to 300 people about this. Here's what I've seen because I've worked with a thousand entrepreneurs or, or just, I've been doing this my whole life. You know, maybe you're brand new in business. And so you haven't worked with a bunch of entrepreneurs, but you've solved this problem a thousand times in the corporate world or for in other jobs. So you're the expert of the problem. You just have, your job is to connect the dots to what they're doing to the problem that you're the expert of. And then yeah. once you do, again, this, truthfully, guys, I don't want to, I don't want to make this, um, I want you to have hope for this. I rarely have to close people. When I talk to people, they typically go, well, how do we do this? How do I work with you? How much does it cost? I don't have to go, okay, you ready for me to make a pitch to you? Are you ready for me to make you an offer? Because we've talked so much about what's possible, what you want to accomplish, what's out there, what's the risk of you not solving this problem that you're just go, okay, well, cool. How do we do it? Right. It happens to be 90% of the time. I've been blessed, blessed, amazing. But you, every one of you do the same thing. They're, the only difference between me and you is that I've done this 10,000 times, not because I'm anything special about it. Well, how would you, what would you say, or how would you describe yourself in terms of what you do to set up that experience? Like, I know you personally now. And so I know that you have a very calming presence. You have a very nurturing presence. It's obvious that you lead with your heart. How would you say, like, cause obviously you're not going to say to somebody, Hey, I'm not good at sales. Go easy on me. <laughs> you, 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 but you command people to, in, a, in a, a very soft way to let their guard down from the get-go. What would you say is your secret to that? Uh, it's, it's truly, it's what we just talked about a few minutes ago, making the sale to myself. I don't walk into a room or onto a conversation or on a stage without being completely present to the reality that I, in this moment, have the potential to change somebody's life. And so it brings me so present. I, you can't, most of the time, if you're in fear, it's because you're worried about something that's happened in the past, or you're afraid of something that might happen in the future. Both of those things, the biggest problem with both of those is that means you're not currently present with the person you're in front of. So if you're just really dial in and focus, learn to breathe, you know, I'm not a meditation master and I'm not going to teach it, but you know, it, you have to learn breathing. The reason why breathing is such an easy focus point is because breathing is here and now. So if you can focus on your breathing pattern, then you're focusing on being in this moment and then being in the next moment. And when you are, you'll just actually listen to people. You know, I've listened to sales calls where somebody has said, yeah, I just, I don't know if this is the right time because my mother just went into the hospital and with fourth stage four cancer and we're just really worried. And they're like, yeah, well, so when do you want to think you want to do the business? It's like, dude, did you not just hear what this woman said? <laughs> she, you know, she, she didn't say she wants to buy in three months. She said, I got a problem right now. And now your job is just to be there. Maybe she just needs to cry and you can listen, right? Or, and then once you also, then you have to be the person who as the trusted advisor needs to be able to say, Hey, look, Emily, I understand the pain and the struggles of all this. Just help me get clear on how, if, if you ignore the business problem for a while, are you going to be okay? Or is this going to devastate you? And then now you're going to have an ailing mother and a failing business. Mm -hmm. I just need to know. So I know how to support you. Right. Because your that. answer to that may be, no, my business can die and I'm going to be fine. Or it can be no, because if I lose my mother and then I'm going to lose my income, now I'm screwed. Right. So your job, because you're not the one emotionally invested, is to help them see what they're, again, what is at stake. Right. If they don't make the decision. Yeah. And in terms of um, the difference between men and women. So I, I just want to go there for a second because a lot of our listeners are, are women. I know that your wife, Cindy, in particular, told me that women only rooms are very different to male only rooms. And one of the main reasons and when I'm saying rooms, I mean, at events. And one of the main reasons she said is because we take a bit longer to make decisions as women. So I'm curious to know, we do have a lot of female listeners, a lot of women who work with women. Have you found that sales conversations with women are different to sales conversations with men? Yeah. And it's interesting because you can, it, it has an extra layer of new, new uh, nuance. I'm say nuisance. Um, so um, <laughs> as a man selling to women, I have to be very careful 
and aware just because if I could say something that you could say, Emily, and you'll get away with it in a way that I won't, right? Because mm. they are going to already have a little bit of threatening posture, you know, from me because I'm a man, you know, and I'm a bigger guy. So, um, whereas Cindy is, you know, she's five foot two and 125 pounds. So she's not physically intimidating in any way. Um, but she's also, she tends to be more like you a little bit direct. And so she has learned to test the boundaries. And this is something we teach our team to do all the time. Um, you have to look at how far can you go? It's like one of the things that we do is it's not so much that you have to be delicate. It's that you have to just be aware because um, women need seem to need permission. Um, and so as long as you can give them the permission, both to be bold, to be confident, to make a decision. And sometimes that decision is just going to be to make the decision. Like you might make a decision right now that says, my decision is I'm going to make a decision by Friday. I'll make a decision by the end of today. I'll make a decision in an hour, right? Because sometimes we, we get layered with all of this permission meeting, you know, as, as women, that's what they, that's what we see a lot. Um, I coached my daughter through high school in basketball. She went on to play basketball in college and we played with some really, really high level um, athletes. A lot of them were getting recruited to college. But the amazing thing that I saw all the time is you have to almost force a woman to be a team captain because even if she's really good and really dominant, she doesn't want to stand out because they're always afraid. Oh, well, but they're going to think I'm a bitch coach. They're not going to like me. Whereas if you tell a guy, you tell any 16 year old kid once, Hey, you're the captain. He's like, all right, guys, get out of my way. I'm the, I'm the captain. Right. Women just don't want that. They want it. They have much greater urgency and desire to belong. And so it's the, the thing of being aware of that is when you're talking to them, you want to, you want to tap into what are those potential fears and concerns. And if they're ever going to solve the problems for the women that they want to serve, they have to step out at that place, but not to be different, to be their leader, to be stable, to be the anchor, to be the rock, right? You, you know, nobody looks at you, at least I don't think so, Emily, and sees a, an arrogant, you know, crazy wild woman. They just see uh, somebody who's an anchor because most of them aren't. They're, they're a little bit loose. They're maybe lacking confidence. They need to see a woman who's showing what strength and love is. And you have to be that person, right? So when you're talking to them on the phone, you have to be in certainty. You have to inspire confidence in those women because they don't have it in themselves. And so they need to borrow yours until they can gain it on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see this all the time. And there's so much need for permission from friends, from family, from spouses. And oftentimes when we just show people what's possible, and say like, you know, you can totally do that. You can have that. This is possible for you. Then it allows them to give themselves permission. But I know that sometimes there's still other conversations that need to be had, or they think that they need to have before they can actually make that decision. And one of the incredible attendees at our event, she, as you know, stood up and was sharing the fact that she wasn't sure if her husband was going to support her in her decision to start her business. And in the previous segment, she'd already shared with the audience what her mission was, what this movement was that she wanted to create, how she wanted to serve the world. And it was so crazy for me to see somebody demonstrate her her love of this work and her future clients and then in the next breath kind of shrink and be like, but I don't know if I'm going to get permission. And so from the outside looking in, it, it's very difficult for me to see that because I also I see her brilliance. I see what she's capable of. And to think that she's allowing something to stop her, I, I actually get really upset, as you can probably tell in my voice. Um, but the reason I'm sharing this today is like sometimes we also build up these things in our head because I've personally now spoken to this woman and her husband is actually in support of her. She's had conversations with him and she was honest with him about what she wants to do. And so I think sometimes we build things up in our head and it's not actually the real truth. It's just a matter of us giving ourselves permission. Right. Right. And, um, you know, and, and she, it's funny because I see that all the time. I happen to have a, a, an in-depth conversation with her at the event that you're, when you're speaking to or speaking about. And, um, you know, she was having fears again about something that happened in the past, but it wasn't about this moment now. And that's, I was just inspiring her to just really stand in her place of commitment to what she's wanting to bring into the world. Because, you know, you have to understand most, I'm assuming all of you are, are married to great guys if you're married. And, 
that maybe every once in a while, maybe you married a jerk, but for the most part, guys <laughs> love you, right? We, they, they love you. They want to be your champion. They're, we want to protect you. We know you don't need protection, but we still, doesn't matter. That's, that's what the, the role God gave us, right? So we want that. And protection oftentimes is protection from yourself. So if you show up, ask, you know, with uncertainty, then I can't in good faith let you go forward because you're not certain that you should. But if you show up with certainty and be like, you know, honey, I believe in this and I'm, I'm chasing my dream. You know, I've been wanting this for a long time and I need your support because if I do this for the next 12 months and I have to fight you the whole way, it's going to be a lot harder than if I do this for the next 12 months and you're with me. Right. And what guy in his right mind is going to say no to that if he doesn't, if he loves his wife, you know, totally. Yeah, I'm glad you illustrated that. I think that's important for us to hear um, for those of us who are currently wondering how to have the conversation and also people who are having sales conversations and wanting to support their potential clients in you know, having that conversation with their spouse. And that's what we shared at the event, that it's really just about asking for that support, not that permission. And it starts with you illustrating confidence in what it is that you want to do. And obviously, that's in alignment with what you shared at the beginning, Jim, about us reminding ourselves of our mission and the difference that we're making in the world and why it actually matters. Correct. And when we feel that, I know other people feel it as well. Not just our people on the other end of the phone, but the people in our lives, friends, family, everyone that we come in contact with. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I don't believe that there's a difference between a quote unquote sales conversation, a professional sales conversation, or a regular conversation with somebody in life. Right. I just tend to, I have sales conversations with everybody all day long because that's what we do. We're, we're, it's just naturally you, you, those who know how to lead people to converting are the people who live the life they want. Right. Because you know how to influence people for their own good. You know, it's about being leaders of the, of your own environment. And we define leadership as becoming the person that people will follow willingly for their own best interest. And Mm -hmm. when you're that person, then you start attracting people. And most of the time they want to do what you want to do. They want to have what you have and they, and they feel inspired and confident that you've taken the steps to get it. Therefore, you know how to help them do it. You just got to keep doing it. And I know that you're all about those long-term relationships and conversations. And obviously we want people to take action right away, but I know that your company is really great at following up and creating that, that long-term container and that long-term relationship. Can you talk a little bit about that specifically around, you know, this need for, for us to want all the clients to sign up this second and what actually will benefit people listening in terms of creating that long-term container and relationship for people who will come back around and ultimately buy in the future. Yeah, um, definitely. The first part is you got to get present to the reality that if you're only closing frontline sales, which means people you talk to at first express first um, uh, experience, you're only going to convert seven to 7% of them at max between three and 7%. That means 93 to 97% of the people you talk to at first won't, won't buy from you. And if you're ignoring all of them, you're going to be in a very hustle and bustle, stressed out mode for your entire business life. So you want to set, I would actually almost give, I would give you permission to not close anybody on the front end and focus all of your effort on the back end. You'll win over the long haul. Now, obviously we don't want you to do that. We want you to make sales from people that can show up. But if you had to pick one, always pick the latter because those people show up. And, and the, it's all about, if that's your intention, you'll structure your environment to support that. Whereas if your intention is to close everybody up front, then we tend to neglect the back end only because you only have so much time and energy and resources. So if they're all going to close the people on the front, that means none of them going to the back, which means you're not closing anybody on the back either. Not, if, not with any consistency or predictability. Um, so here, here's the thing. If we were visual, actually, if you're listening, draw on a piece of paper, a piece of paper, and just draw a, a big uh, two lines horizontal. So like a, a, an X axis and a Y axis. Uh, so you have a, a grid. And then in the top right corner, put Q and R. I'll tell you what they mean in a second. And then in the bottom right, put R and Q. The R, R, the letter N, Q. And then in the top left, put Q, the letter N, R. Okay. And then in the bottom left, you can put Q and R and then just put a line through them. Okay. So here's what this means. 
Q&R stands for qualified and ready. Okay. So if you go up the top, the, the, the left axis, you have qualified and not ready, which you're going to have a lot of people like that. They're qualified. They're just not ready to buy from you. They don't know you well enough. They haven't, maybe they're not clear enough on their problem, any number of things. Right. And then if you go on the far right, on the bottom right, now you're going horizontal. These are people who are ready, but not qualified. They're ready. They want to buy from you, but they don't even really know what they're doing. They're not, you know, they, they're ready to take action. They just, they don't have enough going on in their business or they really don't have the, the clear problem that you solve, et cetera. Okay. And those are the biggest majority of people that represents about 66% of your audience. And that's where we spend all of our time talking to people. And most of the time we're trying to sell people who are not ready or who are not qualified. Right. And then the people who are not qualified or not ready down at the bottom, those are people that you can just give free resources to. Right. They're just no, they're, they're not somebody who, you, you know, they're the longest, hardest person that can sell if you're ever going to sell them. Okay. So your entire objective is to figure out how to move people to that top right square every day. How do you get people to qualified and ready? And for everybody here, that's going to be different, but that's a question you need to be asking yourself all the time. How do I help these people become more qualified? How do I help them become more ready? And for some people, that's going to be a 90 day process. For some people, they're going to need to be in your world for two years, right? But as long as you plan on being in business for two years, raise your hand. If you plan on being here in business two years from now, you might as well start preparing them now. Because I promise you, if you start treating these people that way, two years from now, one of the people you spoke to last week is going to buy from you. It's just how it works, but not if you neglect them and ignore them. Wow, what a brilliant representation. Thank you for that. And how would you say, just a couple of examples before we end the conversation today, how would you say people um, can continue that conversation? What does that look like? Um, anything that you you want to... Basically, here, here's what we actually do. Um, we're not like super high techy company. Um, I, most companies right now are going as fast as they can towards automation. We, our company, because we work with people, uh, we're running as fast as we can the other direction. We want as much human touch as possible. So if you were to just to take, this is a project, I will challenge you, take uh, an afternoon, sit down, get a glass of wine, cup of tea, whatever floats your boat, and just spend an hour or so and write down what kind of relationship would you want to have with these potential buyers, these people that are in your world for the next 30, 60, 90 days, at least do 90 days worth. And then keep adding to this, you know, so that ideally you can map out what would the next year in your world look like? Because if you don't know, you have no way of making sure it happens. Okay. But what would you want somebody, what kind of thing would you share with somebody who, who talked to you today and four months from now, they're still in your world? What would you share with them? What kind of, would you want to share wins, celebrations, what's going on in my business, what's happening in the industry? What are things that are going on in their world that they should be aware of? This is a great year, guys. This is, this, I love election years. There's two things happening this year, leap year and election year, right? And those can mean different things to different people, but they should all mean something to you because you get to frame why it matters to the people who follow you. So use the election year and just journal about it. Say, okay, what are all the things that worry me this year? Because it's an election year. What are all the things that I'm super excited about? What are all the things that people in my marketplace are going to be fearful of or aware of? And what problems will that arise? And what questions will they be asking themselves about those problems? And then how do I address those questions? Right. And you can just, you put out an email once a week. Hey, you guys, this is what's going on. And this is what I was thinking about. And I thought it might help you too. Right. And now you're not just blabbing content all over people. You're having a relationship with them. And you're just communicating. And after a while, they're going to go, wow, I really, really like the way she thinks. I love that she's thinking about me this way. And then, oh, she sent me this free resource. And she invited me to this live, free live training that she did online and all the stuff. And after a while, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to take, I'm, I'm jumping in. I like it. Right? And I'll, you'll be okay. amazed at how, more, how many more people will buy from that than from a well-cured, well curated sales page. Mm. 
yeah, it's like that continue continuing the relationship with them and staying in contact. And I think I've been totally guilty of of thinking, okay, well, if they they're not buying now, then they never will. And that's not the case. People just need some more time with you and more experience, and need to maybe get clearer on what they want as well. Like it doesn't always have to do with us. It's also the other person and where they're at and what stage and what chapter they're in. So it's an awesome reminder. And when you say, you know, I know a lot of people are moving towards tech, but for you guys, is there some sort of follow-up process that you recommend that people, that's really easy for people to kind of keep up with? Is it just reminding yourself to write down the name of everyone you speak to and following up from a spreadsheet? What would that actually look like? Yeah. If that's, if that's the simplest version, if you're using stick figures to draw with, and right now you don't have any technology resources, get yourself a spreadsheet and track every person that goes in it. Um, there are, there's free resources out there that you can use, even in like an Evernote, something you can take pictures of. Um, there's CRMs like Zoho pipe drive that are really, really, really super friendly, um, user friendly and super cheap. They even have free versions. Um, you can pay $15 a month on stuff where, and they literally, all they do is they serve as a place to capture those people. And then when, and then you just start growing with them. And, um, I recommend that just so you don't lose it. Um, but from there, you just want to, again, get yourself into a cadence of following up with people, reminding them of who you are and where you met and why you, why they matter to you. Right. Um, and then today where you can insert technology and this stuff doesn't cost you anything is audio or video recordings. I'm a huge proponent of that. I mean, I, after I talk to somebody the next day, if not that day, they, I follow up with a video recap letter. Hey, it was so awesome to talk to you yesterday. Here's what we spoke about. This is what we're doing. And, um, I'm really excited about this part and, you know, I'm looking forward to us talking on Friday or here's what, whatever. Right. But make they, the more that you do that, the more you separate yourself from the other people they speak to. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it just comes back to relationships and going above and beyond because we are um, in the space, especially in, in the online space. We we send the email, we send the text, but we've lost some of the personal touch. So I think that extra that extra layer and level goes a long way. Definitely. Yeah. So and Jim, it's I'm different for everybody. Know. Personalize it for you. Make sure your personality is in it. Yeah, that's a great reminder as well. It's not formulaic. I think that's one of the themes here today is like who, whoever you are, bring that to the table and use your, your natural strengths and just act like you would with anyone else in your life who you care about. Amen. So in terms of your business and life, Jim, I'm just curious to know what you're excited about for 2020. Man, so much. Um, we have uh, just really attracted amazing people into our life. We've got some a lot of new team members who are just fantastic, who keep joining us. Uh, we've attracted amazing clients and partners. And um, I'm actually, for me, one of the things I've committed to is uh, I'm writing a book. So um, my first book will be done this year. Um, one of the things that we're focusing on is getting me completely out of the delivery aspect of our business. So that way I'm, I'm just oversight and direction, you know, and Cindy will be shortly behind that. She's way immersed. Like I can step out of our business for a month and it would probably be fine. Um, she steps out of our business for the month and it will crumble. <laughs> so we need to get her to a place where she's, where we're not all in everything entrenched around her, but our objective, our goal is to have all as that have that done by the end of this year. So I'm really excited about that because that opens up so much more for us. Awesome. And everything, one thing we ask all of our uh, amazing guests here is what is one way or one tip you can share with the audience about how to create a life that's better than your dreams? Because your story really speaks to that, what you came from versus what you've created. It's, you know, it's night and day, and it's really an illustration of everything that's possible when we continue to move forward. So what would your tip be? My tip would be to don't believe what everybody else says or thinks. You have to just know that you have more value inside of you than you can even possibly give and that your current circumstances have zero to do with where you're going. You are capable of anything that you want. And I mean that anything like I'm a, I'm a, the eternal optimist when somebody says, Oh, humans can't fly. All I, all we know for sure is nobody's figured out how humans can fly yet. Right. Yes. So, and that's my perspective on anything. And if I see, you know, 99% of people can't do this, well, that tells me 1% of them can. So I want to talk to that guy. 
And you just all need to know that you, you listening to this, understand that you have a dream worth fighting for and you need to share it and talk about it. Even if it sounds silly or stupid or embarrassing, just start sharing it because you'll start, the more you talk about it, the more you're going to sell yourself on it. And the more you talk about it with people, you're going to start getting feedback. You're going to notice by the look on their face, did this land right? Did I even say this correctly or clearly? And the more you do, you'll start becoming the expert of that. And then nobody will be able to define it but you. And so then you'll have that kind of confidence that you'll be able to sell it to anybody, even if, if most of the people you talk to think it's lame or not nonsense. And, and quite honestly, the bigger the dream, the more people who are going to think it's lame or nonsense. So you got to have yeah. that confidence, faith, and ability to be able to do that. And once you do, you don't have to worry about the how. You, have, you don't have to spend any time figuring out, how am I going to do this? When you talk about it, like I was just explaining for us, people just keep showing up in our world because they love what we do and they love who we serve and they love what we're about. And it's incredible. <laughs> it's like a total dream come true kind of stuff. And it, that happens for everybody. I'm just a five foot eight Puerto Rican from the Bronx. I do not have any special magic powers. I'm just me. And I'm good at being me. I'm actually, I'm really good at being me. <laughs> you just need to do the same. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And where can people find you online? Um, best place is you can go to Jim P, J-I-M-P, like Padilla, and uh, 360.com. JimP360.com. And there's, you can connect with me whatever way works best for you. I have all my social sites there, some YouTube videos, our websites. So you can kind of pick how you engage with us. And when you get there, click on the contacts button and shoot me a text, say hello. I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you, Jim. And for everyone listening, I hope you take Jim's tips and apply them in your life and your business. And remember that sales is just that human to human, heart to heart connection. Anyone can do it. And you have something to give the world, to sell to the world. And you are just, uh, amazing. Like Jim said, you are capable of anything that you desire. So go out and have that impact. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate your time. And I'll talk to you soon. I hope you love today's episode. I'm so grateful to have Jim in our life and in our company. And he's actually offered to do something really special for all of our clients in our I Heart My Life Mastermind. So this year, he's going to do a one-on-one -on -one sales audit of one of your sales calls, review it, and give you feedback to support you in going to the next level. I think that's huge. We've never had any bonuses like that in our program. So for him to offer that really shows his generosity as well as his appreciation of sales and dedication to the process. So go ahead, book a call with our team at iheartmylifebooking.com to learn more about the mastermind and see if it's the right fit for you. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.